Lectionary Lab Live is recorded live in Gainesville, Florida and Brasstown, North Carolina. Welcome everybody to the Lectionary Lab Live. I'm John Fairless. I'm here with my Bubba, Delmer Chilton. Say hey, Bubba. Hey, Bubba. Hey, man, good to see you today. Good to hear your voice. And we're going to work a little bit on finishing up this season of Advent. We're going to be talking about the fourth Sunday of Advent. These are the texts for December the 24th, 2023. Some of you that are pretty quick on the uptake may realize this is also (laughs) Christmas Eve. And so we have the prospect of... um, uh, of uh, a lot of a lot of service work on this day, I got distracted. <laughs> I did have a young man <laughs> years ago in my church. We had a pretty strong college ministry, and and we had this one guy that was a graduate student uh, and uh, came out, and he was trying to figure his schedule. He said, "Now, Pastor, can you tell me when is the Christmas Eve service going to be?" <laughs> and I just looked at him, and he went, "Oh, <laughs> oh yeah." Didn't he recover and say, I meant what time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, well, I think we'll be down here on Christmas Eve, Ira. Oh, about six o'clock. Like, oh, okay. Like, like you said when we were talking about it, you know, uh, oh, brother, where art now when he's trying to get the auto parts, you know, and the guy said yeah. it'll take two weeks to ship or whatever. Ain't this a geographical oddity? Well, yeah. this is a chronological Ain't oddity. Ain't this a chronological oddity? It is for Advent yeah. in the morning, Christmas Eve at night. Christmas Eve at night. Well, you know, this became really clear to me a couple of weeks ago when uh pastor of the little church where uh, I attend with my son and his family occasionally they uh guy called me up and he said would you preach on the morning of december 24th <laughs> and um you know there's usually on a good day there's 30 or 35 people in this church <laughs> and i said sure um and then we had to negotiate who's preaching on what because obviously what he wants was me to preach to the 10 or 15 loyalists mm-hmm. who are going to be there mm-hmm. on sunday morning and because most people that are going to go to that church on Christmas Eve are going at 7 o'clock you go. for your traditional mm-hmm. candlelight communion. So we had to figure out who's going to do what, and uh, we settled on I was going to do the text for um, Advent 4, but we're going to have the white pet vestments and sing Christmas there carols like it's christmas eve and i'm gonna figure some way to trend in 10 minutes to go from the annunciation to the baby in the manger <laughs> i'm gonna fast forward through the whole thing if any so, if anybody can do it you can bubba it'll work but the only reason i'm saying that is that conversation i said everybody's dealing with this That's and it. i would i would imagine most people have already figured their calendar they're listening to this already figured their calendar out sure. And so we just want to be hopeful. We're going to helpful today. We're going to talk about the text for the fourth Sunday of in Advent um, of Advent, but um, with reference to it's Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, you got yeah, you're going to do something. And my assumption is, in the most churches, um, you know, you're going to have a morning service and a night service, and most people 
are going to go to one or the other, and so you're going to feel like needing to tip your hat at mm-hmm. whatever you do at 11 o'clock mm-hmm. to the fact it's Christmas Eve. And that's just That's just how it's going to be. So, um, ready to go? Man, I'm wound up after all that good uh, discussion. <laughs> I tell you what, uh, I know you're primed, and I just I don't want okay. I don't want to forget this at the end. I, I want to talk okay. about our schedule. We are oh, yeah. doing this. This uh, obviously we're ready for today. We're going to get ready for Christmas Eve. Uh, we have cast about amongst ourselves. We took a, a vote of the corporate board uh, <laughs> to Bubba's on the Bible. We are going to be on a little bit of a break, but we're coming back. You want to explain what what we decided about the the next couple of weeks? Well, most of you are either not going to be there or your people aren't going to be there because <laughs> the, the Sunday, the first Sunday after Christmas is also New Year's Eve, and then we'll be back. Yeah. Then, so we're going to miss a week of doing uh, for y'all. Yeah. You can figure out what you want to do for that week. Yeah. Uh, I would suggest lesson, Christmas, you know, lessons and carols and no sermon and play your choir work or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, we'll be back. Yeah, no show for December thirty first, but we'll no, we'll nothing. be back for January seven uh, with the baptism of our Lord. Yeah. And Epiphany rolling sometime, sometime that week. Yep. You know when we all get back from whatever we're doing, we'll put a show together. It. It'll be up for baptism of our Lord, which will be on January seventh. In the meantime, y'all have fun, everybody. <laughs> Give them a good one. There you go. So so twenty fourth. So the lessons for this day, you know, the possibilities uh, for this uh, sermon is a sermon about the birth without having to read the lessons for the birth. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows the birth story. I, I was reminded of this when riding along in the car with a five-year-old I know, when he started regaling me uh, with... Uh, why Jesus was laid in a manger in a barn and there was no room for him here. I mean, he's five years old and he, you know, he knows the basics of the story. People walk in and they know the basics of the story. We don't have to tell it to them. We can play around the edges of it with saying, well, it may not have been actually uh, a stable. You know, this word could be the spare room and the manger is is this is where the animals it was actually okay whatever there's no (laughs) end you know you can do all of that you want to but people know the basic story and there's Mm -hmm. not much you can do with it what you can do is is talk about the implications of christmas of the Mm -hmm. incarnation Mm -hmm. for our lives as christians today and into the future and that i think sparks pretty well off of advent four because you've got a lot of people um responding to god's activity in their life and or trying to do things for god and being reminded god does things for us so i think the focus this is the sort of the thematic focus for this day is going to be uh focusing down on what has god done for us Mm -hmm. and what does that mean for us and I think without reading Luke as one of the set lessons, Luke 2, mm-hmm. it is the background underneath which you're speaking as yeah. you sing Christmas hymns and you're the day that you're in. I personally am going to end my sermon that day with reading Luke 2, 1 through 7. I'm going to use the text for this day as a buildup 
to, and I'm going to make a, my sermon will be a transition from the Annunciation and the Magnificat into Therefore and lead into Luke 2 mm-hmm. as a way of making this transition. You're going to set so, it, you're going to set it all up for your friend uh, yeah. that night and you're going to say, yeah. now y'all come back tonight to see how the story turns out. It's a big <laughs> see, see what a horse does with this. Beat that sucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so we start with second Samuel seven, one through 11 and 16. One of the, the main reason this is here this text is important, is verse 16, which played into and was a part of all the intertestamental um, kind of Jewish literature on the Messiah. This this text, 716, Your house and your kingdom shall be made forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Here you go. That line was, was just a key line for all the messianic speculation that existed in that period because, and it was tying the hopes of a Messiah as a little bit separate from, you know, we talk about Cyrus was a Messiah right. for the exile. This messianic hope was different in that it tied that hope to a descendant of the house and lineage of David. And so that shows back up, mm-hmm. you know, as we come here. So this is the key reason this text is here. But there's other things for us today in this text. There's this important play on words that goes with it between house and building and lineage or dynasty. Uh, you've got one kind of house. David has settled in his house, his home, his residence, which was, if you read outside this text, a magnificent mansion built of cedars of Lebanon, and he's looking out the window, and he sees the ark sitting there in that ratty (laughs) army surplus tent. He says, huh, this don't look too good. I mean, this is my take. I know what I'll do. I'll build God a house so I don't feel so bad. And Nathan comes in, and he says, well, this is what I've decided to do. And Nathan's the court prophet says, yeah, sure, you do that. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. And then God says, excuse me, yeah. <laughs> that night. Uh, he says, no, you know, I didn't ask. You go tell David, I didn't ask for a house, mm-hmm. etc." Listen, what I did for you, I did all this for you, and I didn't ask for this. I, I remember when the boy was tramping through sheep shit back in the pasture. That's right. And I pulled exactly. him out. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so the question, the, the question underneath this is, we're, the theological question we play with on this day, is we're always looking to do something mm-hmm. for God. And God's always reminding us, no, 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 you got it backwards. Mm-hmm. I do something for you. And you respond by loving your neighbor, by mm-hmm. doing something for others. Um. Years ago, I was at a non-religious kind of retreat about community building, and this young man from Texas, um, he was, uh, I was in my 30s, he was in his 60s, so he seemed old to me then. I'll turn 70 in a couple of months, so (laughs) not as old. And I knew from outside conversations, not in the group setting, that he was active Episcopalian. He he spoke in the group about having this 
life transformative dream that he thought had was reflected what was going on in him emotionally and spiritually mm-hmm. in which he was standing before the judgment seat of god and after death and he said have i done enough for you and he said in the dream the Lord, he said, I couldn't tell if it was the father or the son. You know, it's a dream. <laughs> but the Lord, the judge says, you just don't understand, do you, Willie? You are enough for me. Hmm. You are yep. enough for me. And we continually struggle, whether we have God in the equation or not, right. as to whether we've done enough. Yep. David's sitting there saying, have I done enough for you? What about And God yeah. responds, you are enough, yeah. and look what I have done for you yeah. and through you for others. Yeah. yeah. What have I done to deserve this? Begs the question, you don't have to do anything to deserve this. I don't do this because of what you deserve. I do yeah. this because of who I am. God says, and because of who you are to me. But it's not a question of what we deserve, yeah, or can earn, yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking about, and I'm going to reference this in a little bit more in a little while, my favorite, why is It's a Wonderful Life my favorite Christmas movie? And uh, it has all kinds of stuff in it, and everybody's, it's like the, the, most people, most of us are familiar enough with it. We can make reference to it without explaining the mm-hmm. story. And one of the George Bailey, one of the questions is George Bailey comes back to that question. The whole question of that movie is that what does it mean to succeed? George mm-hmm. Bailey, the story shows him having his hopes and dreams of being great and famous continually stifled. Mm-hmm wants to travel he wants to be a great architect right. all these things he wants to do and he can and, and he wants a beautiful design a beautiful house and instead he stays in town he never leaves bedford falls he he lives in a, a house that's always falling apart and you know he never gets to do all these wonderful things he wants to do and he sees his classmates and his brother and all these people becoming famous around him and he ends up feeling like a complete failure and, of course, the story turns on the angel mm-hmm. coming and revealing to him what life would be like without him. But the key underneath this is, what does it mean to succeed? What does it mean to live a faithful life? And this this ties in with this David thing, because he said, what else have I got to do to be successful? Right. And It's a Wonderful Life says, you lived your life faithfully and did all these wonderful things for people as a result of your life call you were busy being faithful mm-hmm. not really aware yeah. <laughs> that you were being anything great yeah. that's that's a message today mm-hmm. is that we try to do these things so you got that's my lead into the magnificat you know where um the Annunciation, which will be read in a few heads of the Gospel mm-hmm. lesson. But then Mary goes to see Elizabeth, and the baby jumps in her womb, and Elizabeth has this nice poetic thing. And then we have Mary, and then, the, Mary doing the Magnificat, which you got to look back to Hannah, 
you know, after after mm-hmm. uh, with Samuel, it's the song of Hannah, and what he in the midst of all of this is being said. Look at all these things God's doing. Mm-hmm. This is all about what God does. My soul magnifies the Lord. What is that magnifying about? Um, I'm full of God because of what God has done. And it just unwinds with all these wonderful blessings. God's goodness and grace in the world. It foreshadows all the great reversals Mm -hmm. that God's going to, we're going to see throughout the gospel. The first shall be last. Etc. Etc. That it just builds into that. Good news, indeed, is how we usually interpret yeah. this. But then there's also yeah. that element of, well, wait a minute, it's not for everybody. <laughs> uh, the hungry are going to get filled up. The rich, hmm, going to get sent away empty. And the lowly are going to be lifted up. But those that are high, hmm. So some people, some yeah. people are going to recognize it as good news right away. Others, it'll take a while. <laughs> it's going to take a while. Uh, you know, those who those who lose their richness and their power, it'll take them a while to realize that was a good thing for them. Wasn't that much, anyhow? Uh, who yeah. who really wants to be? Uh, uh, oh, what's his name, Mister Potter and Potterville? Yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. When you get Romans sixteen twenty five twenty seven, very short lesson here, is the benediction to the book of Romans. Mm-hmm. And the, a key piece here is the very first line, may the God who is able to strengthen you. This once again ties in to this theme that has just been running through all of this for me is the acknowledgement of what God does. This is what we're about this day, the mighty acts of God that culminate in the birth of Jesus. And, you know, so God's able to strengthen you. God is able to make us the ones to end of this book. I'm reminding you, this is about God, this is about what God can do for you. Mm-hmm. And and, 20, and as you ahead. said, you mentioned just a little bit earlier, God does for us and in us, through us. In us. Right? This us. working out of the obedience of faith, that that is the ongoing work. I mean, in Romans, Paul's talked a lot about the Spirit continuing to work and about the world waiting for the completion of God's work. And so here at the end, it, it is that God has done for yeah. you and God is doing through you. Well, you know, the great the great tie together of of the two great commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. The second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. God loves us. And because God loves us, that love flows through us to loving others. It's not us loving others right. in, as a route toward loving God. <laughs> it's the other way around. Mm-hmm. You know, God's love flowing mm-hmm. through us. And it happens again here. And the last part of 25 and then into 26 and 27, the revelation of the mystery. This is uh, the what we're talking about is that this has been, for Christians, this has been God's will from the beginning. That God, God's presence and incarnation with us, God with us, Emmanuel, mm-hmm. has been inbreaking from the creation. And Jesus is the explosion, the total revelation of that mystery in our midst and is continually being revealed in our midst. 
it's it's um, happened and continues happening. Yeah. It's now disclosed. We now know and will keep knowing that through Jesus Christ, et cetera. So that, that kind of benedictory mm-hmm. language about what this is about tonight. And then the gospel lesson for this day is the Annunciation, which in the book and in the time comes before the Magnificat. Which, you might, which you've you already might read, just yeah. decide to read it differently if you want to. Mm-hmm. You've got freedom to do that. But one of the interesting things to know is that post-exilic Judaism had uh, had been influenced by kind of the per- Persian belief in angels and demons. So you look at extra-biblical literature among the um, Jewish folk in particular, you'll see this arisal uh, in the common understanding of a lot of angelic visitation and demonic involvement. You see it in the Gospels particularly in Luke, about all these angels showing up all the time, and then the people that are, you know, are demon-possessed. Notice how little demon possession we run into in the Hebrew scriptures pre-exile. You know, there's not a lot of that going on. Suddenly, we've got a lot of it. That has to do with some of that influence, that interpretive influence, what's going on in life. So we've got this, a lot of this angel discussion. And in this literature, a lot of things consistently happen when an angel shows up to make an announcement, yeah, it appears, and the first thing that happens is the humans are scared. Surprising. Yep. <laughs> There's fear, and then they get reassured. Then the angel makes their announcement. This is what the message, uh, and this is the prediction, or this is what's going to happen. And then, usually the person being appeared to is being told, you're going to do something really special and spectacular. Mm-hmm. And they go, what? How, how's Me? that going to happen? I, I... There's a, mm-hmm. there's a d- direct thematic <clears throat> connection between Mary and the angel here and Moses it, and the burning bush. Everybody was ever called on. Uh, everybody like, called on. I don't, yeah. Appearance. Don't be afraid. This is holy ground. You'll be fine. I can't do this. Yes, you can. Okay, I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> God will be with you. Yeah. Fear, assurance, announcement, ejection, reassurance, and acceptance. Mm-hmm. That's the pattern, and we see it once again here. And, uh, you know, you can make what you want to about uh, how can this be since I am a virgin. Right. Um. I, I will. I will say this. I would take that. <laughs> I'm. I'm laughing because uh, my Bubba just picked up his dog. Yeah. And I'm looking at it this while I'm is, trying uh, to talk. This is Miss Sheila's dog, and okay. shared among the family. This is Luna. Y'all, I know, aren't all seeing Luna like. Uh, uh, over the years, those who've been with us for a while would occasionally hear from Rufus, our longtime family pet, barking in the background. And uh, Rufus crossed the Rainbow Bridge earlier this year, and so Miss Sheila's got her a little miniature dachshund here. But uh, Mama is working at her office today; she's not home, so that's so why. Luna needed a little assurance. That's right. Okay, that's right. All right. <laughs> well, here's here's the thing. I'm just going to say I I got I got uh, you know since. Uh, how can this be since I am a virgin? A lot of people make a lot about that word in the Hebrew scriptures was young woman and you know how you know then so yada yada. Okay. But the point here is 
we we confess a belief in the virgin birth and mary says how can this be since i am a virgin that is the early church knew that an immaculate conception was an odd thing. Even <laughs> little Mary knew where yeah. where babies came from, no yeah. matter how young she may have been. So mm-hmm. in the text, the question is, how do I get this way since I haven't done that thing which normally brings about yeah. this? And not about to, because I'm not. Not, not living not with the man that's going to be my husband. See, which is, yeah, she didn't. She didn't hear this as a permission to mm-hmm. go get get busy. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't hear it that way. It was a very. I, I don't. I don't get it. How am I going to be pregnant? Mm-hmm. How am I going to have mm-hmm. a child? Uh, but the key answer in verse thirty-seven, after he said, "Well, the Holy Spirit will do this," and that, et cetera, nothing will be impossible with God. That is the objection and the answer. Uh, Fred Craddock maintains that verse 37 is the credo, the I believe, that underlies all creedal constructions, all creeds. It is the basic. Nothing will be impossible. There you go. That is what it means to be be a believer, uh, is to say nothing will be impossible. God, uh, God can act. God will act. And what is it? Liston Mills said, "Can God be trusted mm-hmm. to do what God says?" All of that's underneath all that. And so, our response comes out of verse thirty-eight. Mm-hmm. Mary said, "Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Do with me according to your will." Mm-hmm. Uh, all of us are faced with what looks sometimes, if we're honest, to be impossible things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. How can this be? <laughs> yeah. Well, and Nothing you, will be impossible with God. Yeah, and you mentioned the script. Uh, basically, the, the, the response is, this is what they come down to. Well, here I am. You know, uh, uh, I... Think of uh, Isaiah in the temple. You know, I'm seeing this great vision. Well, here I am. You can send me Moses. Well, I, you know, after God dealing with all of those objections, Moses says, "Well, okay, I guess I'll go." Uh, you know, David called out of the pasture to be a king. Took a while for things to work out, but well, here I am. Wh- whoever, whatever I am, God, you know, whatever I have, it's yours. Look, here I am. Uh, and that finally is, I think, the choice we all are, have the opportunity to make continually. Well, here I am. <clears throat> well, I, I, I throw out sermonic ideas occasionally. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do something I haven't often done. I'm going to kind of do uh, an outline-ish mm-hmm. of what I intend to do on Sunday morning, December 24th, with the Advent for text. I'm going to start off. I mentioned the wonderful. It's a wonderful life. There's a little throwaway scene in "It's a Wonderful Life" that I've always loved. It's it's when George Bailey has realized that they're seven thousand dollars short and they can't figure out what it is. The bank examiner's there. He's beginning to panic before he gets on the bridge and thinks about throwing his life away. Mm-hmm. He's begun to panic. He can't figure it out. He's upset. He comes in the house, and they're all getting ready for Christmas. You know, the, one of the kids is playing the piano over oh, and yeah. over, trying to practice the hymn. They're decorating over here. His wife's saying, hey, how are you? And he's just 
fit to be tied. He's <laughs> running around being nasty to everybody. He gets on the phone with the school, the Susu's teacher, and yells at her. Everything, but the littlest boy, he keeps coming around and tugging on Daddy's coat and says, "Excuse me." And George ignores him. Excuse me. I don't know how many times, four or five times. Finally, George notices him, turns around and says, what? And the little boy says, I burped. (laughs) He's going to get his excuse me. I burped. It's a little throwaway thing. The movie doesn't have to have it for it to work. You know, that kind of thing. But excuse me. I burped. Frank Capra left it in for a reason, though. For a reason, though. You know, one of the things about this is, all through these texts, there are two of the important texts. There's excuse me moments in these stories. The Hebrew scripture story with David. David's full of himself. He's excited. He's built this his house. He looks out. He sees the tent. He's thinking, wow, I really need to be up. I'm going to build God up temple this will be great this will be and he's thinking about what i'm going to do for god but really what what is what i do for god going to do for me he's all excited about and nathan fails in really paying attention at that moment and god has to come and in the middle of the night god comes to nathan and says excuse me let me explain this to you and then you're going to go explain it to david yeah that's not what's happening here excuse me I am going to do this. You get to the gospel, and the Gabriel comes in, and the room's full of light. I mean, anyway, you've seen it, and the light, and the girl's there, and he's got all these wonderful pronouncements going on. The Lord God will do this, and da da da. And she sits there for a minute. And she says, "Excuse me, <laughs> yeah. excuse me, excuse me. Right. I I am not pregnant." I know this for a fact. I haven't had a test. We don't have tests, but I know it because I haven't done that which is required to be pregnant. Mm -hmm. How's this going to happen? And Gabriel says, oh, yeah, um, God's going to take care of that. Hmm. Nothing's impossible with God. We have been called to do many things in response to God's presence in our lives, and sometimes they look a little bit overwhelming and say, excuse me, um, I don't think I can do that. Mm-hmm. And the response comes to us, nothing's going to be impossible. God. Well, what I can't, I, I don't think I can do enough for you. Well, you are enough for me. And finally, Mary says, here I am. I don't get it. I don't think I can, I don't don't know how I can do it, but Mm -hmm. I trust you. Trust you, God. Therefore, do with me whatever it is you want to do. I trust you. Therefore, it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. You know, it was because that Mary said, here I am, that all went to their own towns to be registered, and Joseph also went to the town from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, 
because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn, and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Amen and amen. You pulled Luke 2 on them. That's a (laughs) slick move. And good. No, that's it. We build all this up, and then here you go. We don't have to. We talk about this. I think most uh, most of our conversations of this kind often happen around Easter, when people also are somewhat familiar with the story, and you think, "Well, how's a what's a new way for me to tell this?" <laughs> don't mess with the Christmas story. We don't no. need a new way to tell this. Situating what's going on as you've just done. And then how powerful just to let those words speak. I like it, Bubba. I like it. And you put my dog to sleep with that. <laughs> well, I put anybody to sleep. You give it enough time. <laughs> uh, just a reminder, everybody, we're yeah. not going to do anything for first Sunday after Christmas, New Year's Eve, whatever. Yeah. Y'all are on your own. And we will be back. Probably by about sometime on Wednesday of January 3rd. Midweek, yeah, that first week mid-week of the year. Mm-hmm. For uh, baptism of our Lord on uh, January 7th. In the That's meantime, it. y'all just have a very Merry Christmas. We'll see y'all Happy next New Year. See y'all next year and uh, looking forward to it, Bubba. Appreciate it. Good stuff today. I've, I enjoy it after. All these years and all these episodes, we're closing on past episode number 600 and something of this lectionary lab, and uh, I'm still looking forward to it. So I don't reckon there's much for us to do today other than to tell everybody bye. Everybody bye. Lectionary Lab Live is a Two Bubbas and a Bible production. Our opening theme is Top of the Morning, performed by Track Tribe. We go out today with Veni Emmanuel, the 8th century tune so familiar to us all in this season, O Come, O Come Emmanuel. This arrangement is by Marshall McDonald and Stephen Sharp Nelson and is performed by Stephen Sharp Nelson on the cello, John Schmidt on the piano. They are known as The Piano Guys.
Thank you.